Today we are wrapping up 21 days of prayer and fasting. It's how we start the year here at Grace every year. And that comes from the Bible, Daniel chapter 10, where Daniel set aside these 21 days to humble himself before the Lord. And that's our heart, is to honor the Lord and to listen to the Lord. Hopefully the last 21 days it has been meaningful for you and your relationship with God. You also might be looking forward to a huge lunch today or maybe some desserts you haven't enjoyed in a long time or some chocolate. And it's good to feast after a fast as well. And as we conclude this fast, it's more of an expectancy than an expectation. It's not like we say, God, we fasted for 21 days, so we're expecting A, B, and C, and D now. But instead, it's more of an expectancy that, God, we know your word says when we seek your face, God, and we cry out to you that you move, Lord. And God, we're looking forward to what you're going to do now in faith. And uh, also, God, we want to worship you and make sure as we listen to you, that we're following your voice. We're offering up ourselves in worship completely to you this year. And so it sets the tone spiritually for the year, and we're looking forward to what God's going to do as we've joined together as a family in this time of fasting. And like I said, go enjoy what you haven't enjoyed for three weeks as well. Uh, We're wrapping up today a series, Greater Love. And if you've been thinking during this series, how should I apply this? Like, what could I do to love people? I want to give you a specific opportunity. It's here at Grace with Grace Kids Next Gen. And when you think about before COVID, we had about 200 kids a week coming here to the church. Now, we've opened up Saturday nights, and those are going very well. Families have been so appreciative that kids can come amazing things happen downstairs with kids, getting into the Word of God, learning about Jesus, turning to the Lord. It's an amazing ministry. But we've only offered Saturday nights because simply that's all the volunteers we've had. But we've had a lot of requests and kids are wanting to come back and we want to open up Sunday. We want to have a class on Sunday. So I'm asking you to prayerfully consider one great option is to come to a service, go to a service, and then also serve at a service. And as you pray and consider if you're interested in serving, uh, we would love to launch that second class for kids and that'll be on a Sunday. And you can just on the connecting card write down Grace Kids and Pastor Mark and the team will follow up with you give you the information so you can make a decision about getting involved and really raising up the next generation here at Grace. Our next series is going to be 1 Peter, and that starts next weekend, Lord willing. You can start to read through that book in the Bible, 1 Peter. It's a powerful book. It's an encouraging book. Our theme is Living Hope. We have a hope right now that's real. Jesus is our living hope. And we see this throughout the book of 1 Peter. And you can read it several times during the series. We also have some stuff planned during the series, some surprises that are going to be revealed as well. As we conclude today with the series of Greater Love, the message is the truth of Jesus. And love and truth should not be compartmentalized, but instead love and truth combined. And truth is an important part of love as well. It's often an overlooked part. So we included it here at the end. And like Janae said, one nice thing about the app right now is that you can take notes. And I encourage you, whenever we gather together for a service, listening to God, what is God saying to you through his word? And you can write that down or you can type that in. But what is God communicating to you? We have a God who is living. We have a God who communicates through the word. The word is living and active. And God will speak to your heart, speak to your mind. He'll reveal things to you. 
It, it might be things that he wants to change, things he wants to encourage, things he wants to direct you, verses that stand out. And as we're hungry to seek God, let's be paying attention. What is God saying to us, listening to the Lord? Let's pray together. Father God, we praise you. God, we thank you that you care so much about us personally. And also, God, that globally, you rule and you reign. And we can trust you in your plan, even the process, God. Lord, we pray in our walk with you that there would be breakthroughs. God, there'd be breakthroughs in our attitude, our habits. God, there would be breakthroughs in terms of freedom from sin. Lord, your word says where the spirit of the Lord is, there is freedom. And we pray for a greater freedom and a greater love, God, that would be based in your truth today. And that you would do this work transforming us to be more like you, Jesus, not only individually, but together as well. And we commit this to you. We'll give you the glory for every good thing in our lives. And we pray in your name, Jesus. Amen. Truth combined with love is how Jesus lived. The Bible says he's full of truth and he's full of love. How about your life? Would you say that right now you are full of truth and full of love? Some people, there's all kinds of truth, but you kind of wonder, is there much love here? And then other people have great intentions and great compassion, but what they're bringing is sometimes even bad or misleading advice, and it's kind of a watered-down version of the truth. It's hard to hold both, fully truth and fully love in what we say and what we do and how we treat people. And when you think about the year 2020 and some of the challenges we've had uh, over the last year, there's often been tension. Maybe you've noticed Sometimes it's led to division and even a shortage in love. When you consider the topics of what we've walked through, the different opinions, the range of statements in what people are saying these days about COVID in the cause, the seriousness of COVID, uh, masks or not wearing masks, physical distancing, the vaccination. There's so many hot topics, aren't there? And people post about it on social media talking about it. But not only that, but we've had an election year. There's been talk about fraud in the election. That's come up as well. There's been a lot of topics in our culture that are very significant. I hear a lot of talk about abortion. I hear a, a lot of people having conversations about racism and injustice, the need for healing, the need for racial reconciliation. Lawlessness is another topic that comes up. And with the media, sometimes we wonder, well, what is the truth? Is this objective? Is this subjective? Like, what's going on? Do you hear all this happening and watch people's reactions and seeing what's happening? And how do we walk through all of this in truth and in love? In truth means we're in alignment with God's word. And there's a lot of people say, well, this is what my political party thinks. Well, what does the word say? Or this is what my friends are all talking about. Well, what does the word say? Well, this is what I feel, but what does the word say? Are we in alignment with God's word? Are we speaking the truth? And then also, is it in love? Because it's easy these days to be mean and to be harsh, have the truth and be mean and harsh, and it just leads to more division. So how do you wrestle through these important topics today and walk in truth and walk in love? And what's very harmful for the kingdom of God is when people put Jesus in their bio, when they say, I'm a Christian, and they got Jesus signs, but they're not in alignment with God's word, and they're not bringing love. 
And so we want to be a people that's united, following Jesus together, walking in truth, walking in love. And I'm just telling you, I'm seeing strange stuff these days. I'm seeing people say, I follow Jesus and this witch. I follow Jesus and this is what the horoscope says. I follow Jesus and stuff that's opposite to the word of God. So there's a lot of things happening right now. There's a lot of tension. Let's walk in truth. Let's walk in love. Let's walk humbly. Let's walk united. Let's honor the Lord. You say, well, in the middle of all the tension, you know, how does Jesus handle it? We're going to take a look at a passage today, John chapter 8, where truth is not just principles, but this is a passage that's palpable. How does Jesus, full of truth, full of love, walk through the tension of his day? And you can open up to John chapter 8 in your Bible or find John chapter 8 on your phone. And uh, we're going to dive into God's Word. We're going to focus on four questions, I think, that really get to the crux of the matter. What's at the heart underneath all the division and, and the tension and the spiritual elements and God's Word? What's going on? And here's four questions that I want us to really consider today. The first one is, who is really following Jesus? That's the first question to think about today and then, 2,000 years ago in this passage, in the context, who is really following Jesus? John chapter 8, starting in verse 30, even as Jesus spoke, many put their faith in him. To the Jews who had believed him, Jesus said, if you hold to my teaching, you are really my disciples. Then you will know the truth and the truth will set you free. Jesus used an interesting phrase. There's an if, and then he says, really, my disciples. He's highlighting, that is, he's living and teaching. There's different reactions. There's unbelief. There's belief. Here's four groups of people that existed then and exist today. One group is the group that rejects Jesus. It's pretty clear where they stand. No, I don't follow Jesus. I don't believe he's the Savior. don't believe he's the Messiah, the Son of God. I don't follow Jesus. That's one group. If you're here today or watching online uh, and you're in that group, we're honored that you're listening, that you're here, that you're considering Jesus. Uh, Might feel strange to be at church. We welcome you. You're loved here. And that's one group of people. There's a second group that professes Jesus, but they're not born again. They're not following Jesus. They haven't put their trust in him, but they profess Christ. Jesus says it very clear to this group. He says, at the end of your days, and you come before Jesus, he's going to say, depart, uh, I never knew you. And there's a lot of people who have a false gospel. They think the gospel's just about health and wealth, or they think the gospel's that you earn your way to heaven, or Jesus did some, but then you do the rest. And you can't bring a false gospel. Uh, There's one gospel. So they say I'm a Christian, or maybe I was just born in a Christian family, so I'm a Christian, but they've never put their trust in Jesus. That's another group. Existed then, exists today. Here's a third group, and the Bible says this group's kind of carnal. You think about kind of a double life. One foot towards following Jesus, one foot towards I'm doing my own thing and I'm in rebellion and kind of riding the fence. And you think about, well, does this person know Jesus? I'm not sure. I thought, but maybe not. And You know, I've heard from more pastors and Christian leaders these days saying, you know, I thought someone was born again, but like, I honestly, I I, I don't know where this person's at right now. And, And it just gets confusing when someone's lukewarm and they got one foot following Jesus, one foot not, and the Bible says carnal. The last group is a group that's following Jesus. Not perfect, but they're committed. 
and, and they're walking with the Lord. And I want to tell you, out of those different options and out of those different groups, it's the most important decision you'll make is your relationship with Jesus. And, and I want to tell you that the abundant life that Jesus promises is a committed life. The abundant life is a committed life. And the abundant life is one of love and of truth. And if we reject Jesus or love and truth that he brings, that abundance isn't there. And uh, what does Jesus say next? He says, know the truth and the truth will set you free. Here's the principle. The love and truth of Jesus are indivisible. They go together. The love and truth of Jesus go together and uh, they bring freedom from sin. And when you think about truth and how powerful it is, it does many things. First of all, truth convicts. Truth convicts when we're not on the path following the Lord. Truth convicts. But truth doesn't stop there. This is how good truth is. Truth also restores. Because we can trust the truth, walk in the truth, and then there's restoration. The truth also affirms. The truth is God loves you. The truth is you're made in God's image. Everyone is. The truth is God is for you. God is with you. The truth is God is reliable. He is gracious. And with this truth, we are built up. So the truth convicts. The truth restores. The truth builds us up. And all of this is important, and it's all based in love. When you think about railroad tracks, right? There's two tracks. They're going to be going together. Uh, God's truth and God's love are indispensable. They're always in alignment. They're always together. And I also want to say Jesus is always for truth. And Jesus is always for love. Truth and love, God is always in favor of and for both. And ultimately, Jesus is the truth. When we talk about truth, some people think about facts or concepts or principles, and yes, that's part of the truth, but ultimately, the truth is Jesus in a relationship with Jesus. He is the truth. All truth comes from Jesus. You can't separate truth from the Lord. And this freedom that he brings, it's a freedom that includes rest for your soul, contentment and peace for your soul that rises above the circumstances and the pressures we face. This is a a joy that we have that abounds. This is also a truth uh, that frees us up and a freedom that, that God gives us to really serve and to live for a greater cause than just ourselves and also to have a greater love for people. God's truth gives you the freedom to love people in a greater way. And when you think about God and who is God, uh, sometimes, you know, I talk to people, talked to someone last night after the service that said growing up, their view of God was he's just coming to slam. He's just coming. He, he hates. He slams. It's just his wrath. He pounds and he's relentless. And what a shift to really know who God is. I, I want to give a picture We're Trinitarians. We believe in one God, Father, Son, Holy Spirit. And when it comes to truth, let's take a look at what the Bible says in the Gospel of John. We're in John chapter 8. Let's take a look at a couple other verses in John. John chapter 4, verse 24. God is spirit, and his worshipers must worship him in spirit 
And in truth, God wants us to walk in truth. He wants us to worship him in truth. Let's continue uh, through John chapter 16, verse 13. Now the Holy Spirit. When he, the spirit of truth, the name for the Holy Spirit, spirit of truth, when he comes, he will guide you into all truth. What is the Holy Spirit doing? Guiding you into truth. He will not speak on his own, yet he will speak only what he hears and he will tell you what is yet to come. The Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit all working together. And also God's given us his words. Sanctify them by the truth. Your word is truth. We have one truth source. This is God's word, the Bible. Again, helping us to walk in the truth. And then Pilate asked, you know, what is the truth? And in John chapter 18, uh, Pilate says, you are a king then. And Jesus answered, you say that I'm a king. In fact, the reason I was born and came into this world is to testify to the truth. Everyone on the side of the truth listens to me. That's a bold statement. Everyone in this world who is on the side of truth listens to Jesus. Jesus is the source of all truth. And the picture we have of the Trinity, this is who God is, Father, Son, Holy Spirit, every day helping us to walk in truth. Walk in love, walk in truth. So follow Jesus, but go deep and really say, are you committed to the Lord? Are you committed to following Jesus? And that's what Jesus started in this passage. That's where he started. Now, uh, in terms of following Jesus and trusting Jesus that he is the truth, well, what's the next question? The next question is, how is sin making you a slave? You say, well, this is intense language Jesus used. I mean, there's already tension in the room, and now he kind of says, all right, let's take it to the next level. Let's talk about sin, and let's talk about slavery. And this is what he says in John 8, verse 33. They answered him, we are Abraham's descendants and have never been slaves of anyone. How can you say that we shall be set free? Jesus replied, I tell you the truth. Everyone who sins is a slave to sin. Now, a slave has no permanent place in the family, but a son belongs to it forever. So if the son sets you free, you will be free indeed. Uh, Sin is knocking at the door of our hearts every day. The Bible says sin wants to master us. Sin wants to take us captive. Sin is a cruel master. There's a lot of deception involved. Sin sometimes might bring pleasure for a short time, but then destruction, and the cost is high. Uh, You say, well, what is sin? Usually when people think about sin, it's the sins we commit. And it's the more obvious sins, like the Ten Commandments. Like, it's wrong to lie. It's wrong to steal. It's wrong to slander. It's wrong to gossip. It's, lo- it's wrong to have resentment. It's wrong to have adultery. I mean, there's a lot of lust. I mean, the list goes on on things that are very clear that we do that are wrong and are sinful. But then there's another category, and this is the sins of omission. These are the things we don't do that God wants us to do. These are the things that might be like serving other people, loving other people, sharing the gospel. There's a lot of things God calls us to do that we just kind of either get lazy or fearful and say, no, I'm not going to do it. Well, that's part of sin. And then here's a third area of sin, and this one's sneaky. And this is where a blessing becomes an idol. In my life, soccer is a huge part of my life. And I was 
I enjoyed playing as a goalkeeper for so many years, and I'm so grateful for the people I met, the memories. It's been a great, great blessing in my life. But honestly, there was also some different times in my life where soccer became my number one, my number one passion. And it was idolatry. I put soccer above God at different times. And I'm just being honest, but you can take something that's a blessing and it's truly good, and it can become an idol, a certain thing or job, career, person. And all this is part of the sneakiness of sin that wants to pull us away from God and even master us. And, and Jesus says it boldly in terms of being a slave to sin. Uh, there are forces at work, and here's three to consider. There's in my own heart. Sometimes our hearts are deceptive and dark, and we wander from God, and we choose sin. But then there's also patterns in the world that are not honoring to God's word, and we sometimes fall into those patterns. And then there's also a devil and demons at work, and there's darkness that want to tempt us and pull us away. Can't make you sin, but still a very real component in a spiritual battle every single day. And bottom line here is if we resist truth and we resist Jesus, without truth, what happens? Addictions are common. There are sin habits and patterns and addictions in our life when we reject Jesus and truth. Also, relationships suffer. Relationships are shallow. Relationships are destructive when we choose sin. And also, faith wanders. That's what sin does. Sin tears down our faith and our confidence in God. And it brings shame and it brings guilt that God doesn't want us to have. And these are realities that Jesus is talking about. And as he brings that, what do these kind of religious folks say? Here's the response. We are Abraham's descendants. We, we've never been slaves to anyone. Okay, let's, let's unpack this. Because you say, what are they talking about here? First of all, it's interesting. There's Roman bondage. There's Roman authority. So to say, oh, we don't even know what slavery is all about. We've never even heard of this thing. Well, it's all over in, in that culture, in that context. And there's a lot of harshness with it. But let's just take this to a spiritual sense. Well, we're Abraham's descendants. What are they saying right here? They're saying that um, because we're in Abraham's lineage, it's basically their excuse. And this is what's interesting because we all have an excuse, right? When it comes to sin, we all have different excuses. And a common excuse then was, well, we're good. We're with Abraham. We're in his lineage. We're good. And John the Baptist addressed this. This is back in Luke chapter 3, verse 8. John the Baptist was the forerunner. He came before Jesus, and he was calling people to prepare their hearts for the Lord. And this was the message in Luke chapter 3, verse 8. He says, produce fruit in keeping with repentance. Repentance is turning 180 degrees from sin to the Savior. It produces fruit in our life. It's refreshment. It's restoration. Repentance is good. And then he says this. He calls them out on their excuse. And do not begin to say to yourselves, we have Abraham as our father. For I tell you that out of these stones, God can raise up children for Abraham. It had been the same excuse year after year after year. They didn't want to face their sin. They were in denial and they just kept using the same excuse, the same card. Well, we're good because we got Abraham. Well, I'm good because I've been going to church for a long time. Well, I'm good because of my spiritual resume. You don't know my spiritual resume? Let me give you my spiritual resume. And that was the response. They were hard-hearted towards Jesus. And what does Jesus say three times in this chapter? I tell you the truth. What is Jesus' favorite phrase? What does he say more than anything else? 
Truly, truly, I tell you, I tell you the truth, verily, verily, with the utmost sincerity, he's saying, I'm telling you the truth, I'm bringing truth. Uh, Maybe over 75 times he says it. Why? Because it's coming from a place of love. Jesus wants to bring an emancipation from sin that these people have never experienced before. They've been stuck in sin for so long, and Jesus wants to free them of the burden. This is powerful. This is hopeful when he says, I tell you the truth. And you say, well, what's that slavery stuff? Uh, I, I shared this verse with our kids, and we're like, what? They asked, Jesus is talking about being a slave to sin? And what Jesus says is when you choose sin, you put yourself underneath sin. When you choose sin, you put yourself under the authority and the power of sin. And that's not where you belong. You're a child of God. Don't be a slave to the sin. Jesus can transform anyone who's choosing sin. Sin habits, patterns, addictions, slave to sin. Why? Because we have a new identity. We are sons and daughters. We don't belong under that power and authority of sin. And so Jesus breaks, has the power to break the power of sin in our life. He also has canceled the penalty of sin. And ultimately, the presence of sin will be gone. There's a victory over sin. He's proclaiming this radical. And in John chapter 9, there's a man who's born blind, and the religious leaders, they have all this just junk and stuff about sin that's so, it's not true. They say he's blind because of sin, and Jesus is saying, no, that's not what's going on. And Jesus makes this declaration after he heals the man. He says, those who are blind will see, and those who see will be blind. And what's he saying? The humble who know they've sinned and own it and repent, their eyes are going to be open. Their eyes are going to be open. They're going to be set free. But those who walk around saying, no, I don't have much sin. Sin's not a problem. I don't sin. I don't really sin. I'm I'm in Abraham's lineage. Sin's not my issue. They're blind. They're blind. And Jesus is pointing out this dichotomy. And he's trying to inspire people to be set free, to trust him, to follow him, and to reject sin. Uh, What happens when we live this life of truth and love together? Fully, truth and love, fully together. It's inspiring. It it changes communities. It changes churches. It changes our nation. I want to draw attention to, to Dr. King. You think about the context he was in with inequality, injustice, and racism. How would he face it in his day? He faced it full of truth and full of love. Because he was abiding with Jesus, there was forgiveness, there was hope, and there was a message of truth and love. I want to uh, share a couple quotes from Dr. King, and there'll be a couple pictures behind me as well. Uh, This is what he says, darkness cannot drive out darkness, only light can do that. Hate cannot drive out hate, only love can do that. Again, the power of the love of God driving out hate, the light of God driving out darkness. He says, the God whom we worship is not a weak and incompetent God. He is able to beat back gigantic waves of opposition and to bring low prodigious mountains of evil. The ringing testimony of the Christian faith is that God is able. Hope that resonates in your spirit, that God is able. And Dr. King says, I have decided to stick to love. Hate is too great a burden to bear. 
And, and also this, Jesus Christ was an extremist for love, truth, and goodness. He was an extremist for love, truth, and goodness. Although crucified by hate, he responded with an aggressive love. Uh, no mountain is too big for the Lord that you're facing right now. With his truth and his love, you say, well, if I walk in truth, isn't the cost going to be high? If I walk in love, won't there be a lot of sacrifice? And I'd say, yes, there will be. Maybe more sacrifice, maybe more persecution than you've ever faced. If you really walk in truth and in love. Dr. King lost his life abiding with Jesus, walking in truth, walking in love. The cost is high. Relationships are changed. And sometimes people get killed as well. Uh, But Dr. King still speaks today. He was committed to Jesus. He would be 92. He would have been 92 January 15th. And I hope that through this passage, through the way Dr. King has followed Jesus, that you also feel inspired to live a life of truth and love and to break free from the sin that holds us back. Uh, Here's a third question for today. And the question, again, where does Jesus take this from following him to sin? And then let's just go a little further. Let's talk about the devil. And the question is, how are you saying yes to the devil? That's what he's asking to the people who are with him. Uh, Let's take a look at verse 37. I know you are Abraham's descendants, yet you are ready to kill me because you have no room for my word. I am telling you what I've seen in the Father's presence, and you do what you have heard from your father. Abraham is our father, they answered. If you were Abraham's children, says Jesus, then you would do the things that Abraham did. As it is, you are determined to kill me, a man who has told you the truth that I heard from God. Abraham did not do such things. You are doing the things that your father does. We are not illegitimate children, they protested. The only father we have is God himself. Uh, Jesus says, let's talk about this. Let's talk about three things. First of all, Abraham. Yes, you're his physical descendant, but you're not in his spiritual lineage. Uh, Abraham honored God. Abraham loved God. Uh, You you don't honor God. Uh, There's a difference between the physical and the spiritual lineage of Abraham. Second, let's talk about the Lord. Let's talk about Jesus, the Messiah, King of kings and Lord of lords. You're ready to kill the innocent one. You're ready to take down the one who's innocent. Uh, That's not walking in the truth. And then third, let's talk about the devil. Ultimately, he has your yes. Your father is not God. The one you're following, it's the devil. You choose between God, our father, the devil, and I'll tell you, who's your daddy? And Jesus lays it out, all three instances. Now, I realize it's getting tense. Let's have some fun with this. Uh, Our hamster, I think this week, said yes to the devil. Our hamster. I told you, we got a new hamster. I got a lot of hamster illustrations, but I'm going to try and really spread them out, you know, not have too many. But I got to tell you, on Friday night, our hamster, little kiwi, escaped out of the cage. <laughs> Said, yes, the devil. I'll tell you, our hamster can do parkour. I've watched this hamster with one hand. Like, can you do a one-arm pull-up? This hamster with one hand is just moving around the top of the cage and then figured out, rodents are resourceful, figured out where the, the release button is, and then it looks secure, but would continue with the nose while doing parkour at the top of the cage to hit the release button until finally, I think after several days, the release button gave away, the hamster escaped, and our little daughter, who's so discerning, and we need to be discerning these days, 
genius, folks. Our little daughter is so discerning. At night, you know, it's 10 o'clock. That time, as a parent, we say, it's time to go to bed. And she said, no, I've just got to see the hamster. I just, I've got to see the hamster. I just got to go downstairs. So we went downstairs. The hamster's out of the cage. The hamster's in the bookcase with snacks, just, just hanging out in the bookcase. And we're like, oh, no, you don't. Oh, no, you don't. Not in our house. And, and pulled the hamster back, put the hamster back in the cage. The hamster said yes to the devil. Well, this is what we're going to do. We're going to bring more accountability. We're putting some heavier things on the top of that cage. You might need some blockers. You might need some accountability going on. If that doesn't work, I'm going to put the Bible on the top of that gate. That hamster's not getting out. And the message of the hamster was, come home. Come home. If you've been playing games with the devil, come home. Come home. Hamster's not saying yes to the devil in our house. The hamster, come home. And they took a jab at Jesus. Nothing was really playful about this. They took a jab at him and they said, we are not illegitimate children. What are they saying here? They're trying to defend themselves, self-righteous, pride. But also, here's a jab. Jesus, uh, yeah, talk about dads. Who's your dad? Yeah, run that by us again. Virgin birth, like we believe that. Illegitimate child. Yeah, let's get to your story here, Jesus. And they accuse him. There's just those jabs. The devil is an accuser. The Bible says the devil's an accuser and the devil wants to accuse you and throw the jabs, try to take you down. They're speaking the words of accusation to Jesus. You say, well, who is Jesus? Most important thing in the world. Who is Jesus? Before Abraham was, I am greater than Abraham. Abraham uh, is living because of Jesus and he's the resurrection and the life. Jesus the same yesterday, today, forever, Alpha Omega. They're missing who is Jesus. Who is the devil? The devil comes to steal, kill, and destroy. The devil comes to steal, kill, and destroy. Uh, how does the devil work? It's lies. Uh, we're going to unpack that here, but, um, but I want to give you some encouragement. Why is Jesus, why is he giving this message? Because he wants his followers to break free from sin. Why is he giving this message? Because there's one who's greater than the devil who's here. He wants us to walk in the light. And there, in the spiritual battle, there's victory. You don't have to walk in intimidation and fear these days. The one who's in you, the Holy Spirit's greater than the one who's in the world. Uh, what the devil has tried to steal, kill, and destroy in the body of Christ, God can restore in mighty power. The devil does not have the final say. The devil will be thrown in the lake of fire. Jesus is victorious in the spiritual battle. The devil is a defeated foe, and he's making it plain. He's making it plain. And so encouragement comes. Truth comes. Truth is the backbone of love, and it's also the instrument God uses to bring a vibrant spiritual life. Don't water down the truth. It's the backbone of love, and it's also what God uses to help us have a vibrant spiritual life. 1 Corinthians chapter 13. Let's take a look at this definition of truth, this passage that's so common in weddings, but it's not just for weddings. It's for our life, and look where truth fits in here. Love is patient, love is kind. It does not envy, it does not boast. It is not proud, it does not dishonor others. It is not self-seeking, it is not easily angered, it keeps no record of wrongs. Love does not delight in evil, but here it is, rejoices with the truth. It always protects, always trusts, always hopes, always perseveres, love never fails. 
And uh, we want to walk in this love. The love of Jesus will prevail over the darkness. And uh, we want to walk in this love that includes truth. The last question, and this is where it gets a little more gentle here in terms of the question, who is listening to Jesus? Who's listening to Jesus these days? You ever wonder that? Who's really listening to Jesus? Let's take a look at verse 42. Jesus said to them, if God were your father, you would love me. For I came from God and now I'm here. Again, don't miss the boldness of the statement. If God were your father, you would love me. That's what Jesus says. I have not come on my own, but he sent me. Why is my language not clear to you? Because you are unable to hear what I say. You belong to your father, the devil, and you want to carry out the father's desires. He was a murderer from the beginning, not holding to the truth, for there is no truth in him. (laughs) There's no truth in him. When he lies, he speaks his native language, for he is a liar and the father of lies. Yet because I tell the truth, you do not believe me. Can any of you prove me guilty of sin? If I am telling the truth, why don't you believe me? He who belongs to God hears what God says. The reason you do not hear is that you do not belong to God. Jesus asks a question to highlight that he's sinless. Can any of you prove me guilty of sin? Like, doesn't it make sense to trust the one who's sinless? And then he says, he who belongs to God hears what God says. You are son and daughter of God. You're in his family. You're accepted. You're forgiven. This is the truth. And in that relationship, listen. Listen to God. Listen to God's word. Listen to the Holy Spirit. And God's word is not, some people treat it like a menu. You know, I like this. I don't think I'll have that. Oh yeah, give me two of those. I've never liked that. I'm not into that. God's word is not a menu. God's word, it's all truth. Jesus said it so clear. It's all truth. Uh, Here's the the final principle I want to share. Real followers of Jesus do not edit the words of Jesus. You know what's happening in our land? People are editing the words of Jesus. And you say, oh, is this just happening in seminaries? It is happening in seminaries. Is this happening in Christian schools? It is happening in Christian schools. Is it happening in churches? It is happening in churches. Is this happening in homes? It is happening at homes. People, if you're going to undermine truth and attack truth, it'll start with the word of God and it'll start to become a la carte and it'll be picking and choosing and twisting it. And uh, if we reject God's word, uh, instead of being one nation under God, we will be one nation in rebellion to God. And Jesus said it so clearly that his sheep know his voice and they don't listen to a stranger's voice. We need one voice. We need to listen to Jesus. Don't miss the voice. You will miss his voice if you don't think it's that important to listen. If you don't think it's important to listen and be in the word, you might miss his voice. You might miss his voice if you're really distracted and you just got so much going on in your life that you said yes to that you don't have any time to slow down and be silent and listen to Jesus. You might listen to his voice if you've got a hard heart. If your heart's harder, then maybe it's got some calluses. Maybe it's because of pain or mistreatment or injustice and disappointment. But maybe you've hardened your heart because of that pain. You might not hear the Lord. You might not listen to the Lord. So what do we need to do? We need to slow down, silence, Uh, To me, that's been one of the best things the last three weeks is just silence and listening to the Lord. Listen. Make it a priority. May it be our passion that we listen to the Lord, that we want to hear from Jesus. 
that we long for his voice and his word and our hunger grows to abide with him. When I think about our church and what's just happened to start this year, I think of this time of listening, praying and fasting and listening to God for three weeks. When I think about our church, we have about 200 leaders at Grace. Praise God for our leaders. We're so grateful for our leaders. And the door is always open. If you want to step up and use your gifts in a leading capacity, uh, we're going to gather. We gather annually, once a year, this Saturday on Zoom. We're going to gather together. And part of that is that listening. What is God calling us to do this year? What is God calling us to do for such a time as this? I gathered together this week with the pastors in Auburn, and uh, this is what we decided. Uh, Let's take this month to really listen to God. What does God want us to do together in Auburn this year? What does he want? Let's all listen. We'll come back in a month. Let's write down what we sense God saying, and then let's share it. And what are we going to do together in Auburn? United. We're one family. There's many churches, but we're one family. In the sound. We're part of Saturate the Sound. About 100 pastors, ministry leaders. And uh, what we're doing right now, we're listening. And there's a time set apart now in February to, to take a day and listen, seek, and then share with each other. What is God doing in the sound? This is a time to listen. And it's a time to break free from sin, to break free from the devil's lies and accusations and traps, to listen to God, to draw near. If we don't listen to Jesus, we probably won't live like Jesus and love like Jesus. So let's still our hearts, still our racing minds. Think about these four questions today. In our world and then in your own life, okay? Who is really following Jesus? Who's really living the abundant life? Who's really committed? The second, how is sin making you a slave? And the third, how are you saying yes to the devil? Are you saying yes to the devil in any ways? And then lastly, who is listening to Jesus? God wants to give us a life that's full of truth, full of the Holy Spirit. We're going to do something different at the end of this message right now. Uh, Let's put 1 Corinthians 13 back up on the screen. And we've been talking about a greater love now for two months. Let's declare this together. Let's say this out loud, one voice and one heart. Uh, Love is patient. Love is kind. It does not envy. It does not boast. It is not proud. It does not dishonor others. It is not self-seeking. It is not easily angered. It keeps no record of wrongs. Love does not delight in evil, but rejoices with the truth. It always protects, always trusts, always hopes, always perseveres. Love never fails. Now, as these words stay on the screen, you can look at these words or you can close your eyes, but let's pray together and consider now How have you been living in ways that are not full of love? Are there any ways that you're not living out God's love? And let's confess those to God right now, just silently. Just confess those to God. Maybe it's been in your attitude, maybe judging other people. Maybe you just haven't been spreading the love of Jesus. You haven't been patient. You haven't been kind. You haven't been understanding. Maybe it's been at home with people you know the most, family. Maybe it's been in the community. Maybe it's been online. But let's repent. Let's repent. 
Let's turn from sin here. Let's break free. Let's break free. Hate doesn't change hate. It's love. It's love that changes hate. And let's also, uh, right now, let's rely on God. Repentance and reliance during this time. Uh, Repentance is the turning and the owning of sin. And then reliance. Turn to Jesus now. Ask Jesus. Receive the love of Jesus afresh. Receive his grace. Receive his forgiveness. Receive his hope. Receive his encouragement. Receive his word. As we repent, we receive from the Lord. And then also reliance. Reliance is asking God. Asking God. God, we can't love like you loved. We fall short every day. God, we want to rely on you. We want to be different. We want to be light in this culture. We want to bring a love combined with truth. We want to bring a love, your love, Jesus. And we can't do that on our own. Return to the Lord now. Rely on the Lord. Ask God to do a work in your heart. Ask God to do a work in your relationships. Listen to Jesus. What is he saying to you in terms of love? What is he saying to you? Who does he want you to love? Is it someone in your neighborhood, a coworker? Is there someone specific? Ask God. Rely on God. Rely on his love. The Bible says rely on the Lord's love. Let's rely on the Lord's love. May this be a time of refreshment. Let's worship the Lord through repentance and reliance as we seek him together. Yo, subscribe to the YouTube channel. <laughs> <laughs> subscribe to this channel.